Wanted in 14 states and unwanted in five. This is Bizarre Podcast Dogs Must Die. My name is Grant. You can call him Chip. And we are talking about the next two episodes of Stardust Crusaders. This is part one and two of Judgment. And uh, as I mentioned before, if you're watching on Crunchyroll, don't go to the thumbnails for this episode, the one after, because... Uh... <laughs> Boy, it spoils some stuff with these two episodes. (laughs) So let's get right into episode 21, Judgment Part 1. We get one of our our rare previously on recaps, Mm -hmm. but it's only for the boat part. Just the boat part. Like if you just turned off the episode on the rim shot, which is a sensible thing to do. I could understand (laughs) someone doing that. This this is for those people's benefit. So yeah, we're we're still going to this island to meet a uh, a very important man dot 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 who could it be and this island is like lush but totally deserted it's like some real robinson crusoe shit it's very (laughs) small they talk about how the island's surprisingly small but then like it can't be that small (laughs) i've seen smaller just saying but yeah they get off the boat everyone's asking joseph who are you talking about and and joseph Mm -hmm. says okay i talked to this back when we were india i talked to this dude and he said to to meet him here he got some important business with this guy. And as he's saying that, Jotaro looks over to looks over to his side and uh there's a whole lot of tall grass over there and he can just see peeking between two really tall blades of grass, just a pair of eyes just staring at them. So as this conversation is continuing, uh Jojo then just mentions, Hey guys, we're being watched, which makes <laughs> the watcher run away. Yeah, he this dude just leaps out of the grass, starts running just booking it. And he's straight up an Avdol palette swap. He yeah. looks exactly like Avdol, but you know his hair is silver, his clothes are gray. He, is... yeah. I'm I'm sure this is taken from that a uh, uh, fighting game. If you do a Avdol mirror <laughs> match, yeah. So they they chase after this Avdol lookalike. He runs all the way back to like the little hut he lives in, and he just starts. Mm-hmm. He faces away from them. He just starts feeding his chickens named after various musicians. Yeah, we got Prince Michael, as in Jackson, I have to think, and Lionel, as in Richie, I must assume. <laughs> yeah. And he sounds exactly like Avdol. Yep. Joseph and the gang try talking to him, and, and Joseph tries to go one-on-one with this guy. This guy turns around. He's super pissed off, just you know, telling everyone, go away. I don't want to talk to fucking anybody. And as he says that, he whips around. And yeah, he's just Avdol. He just looks slightly older. He's got some bags under his eyes, and he's got a few extra lines and random spots of his face. But he's not Avdol, because Avdol would recognize all these fine gentlemen, and he doesn't, because he is Avdol Sr., Mr. Avdol, my father. <laughs> Looks exactly like Abdal. It's just—it's a striking resemblance. Very strong genes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Joseph tells everybody that you know, hey, sorry, I didn't tell any of you about this whole thing we're doing right now because I didn't want Dio and his accomplices to somehow learn about it and come and just and not like he doesn't say like I don't want them to kill Abdal's dad. I just don't want his peace disturbed. <laughs> <laughs> he clearly loves being on this island alone i don't want anybody to ruin that except us mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so of course we get a flashback uh, uh to the death of avdol this, this terrible news that they have to bring to him uh with sweeping tragic violins oh it's as, so tragic <laughs> as polnareff has his is confronted by his shortcomings yet again and he still blames himself a lot mm-hmm yeah, and so he he separates himself from the rest of the group to, you know, just to be alone for a bit by the beach. As he's walking away, Kakiween is asking Joseph, just like, hey, does Avdol's dad have a stand too? And he, and he's just like, oh, yeah, 
No idea what it is, but yeah, <laughs> he's got one. They, they seem to be genetic. That's what got us in this mess. Yeah. So while they're off, I don't know, doing rock, paper, scissors to figure out who gets to tell him, <laughs> uh, Polnareff is off having serious mopey thoughts alone, looking at, at the, the sun starting to, to head toward the horizon, down in his feelings. Uh, he, mm. He's really, he's, he's a big mope, big grieving mope. <laughs> and uh, he looks down bit further towards the shoreline and he just straight up sees so like sticking halfway up out of the stand uh or, or the sand whoa what if whoa. though what if? what if the sand was a stand a beach stand oh man that'd just be the uh that one uh sandcastle pokemon that's what that would be uh <laughs> but just sticking halfway they, they get in a limbo fight yeah why oh not? yeah yeah halfway out of sticking out of the sand is just it's straight up just Aladdin's magic lamp. Like, yeah, because this is. is too serious. We need Polnareff to be goofy. So let's <laughs> give him a fucking genie lamp. So he, he pulls it out. It's covered in barnacles. He scratches one off. He's just like, hmm, this is a weird lamp. And so he just go and he just says, I'm going to rub the barnacles off. And <laughs> fucking a, a genie like thing just immediately pops out of this lamp. He introduces himself as Cameo and he's very shouty all the time. <laughs> This guy's always screaming. You know, this cameo doesn't really look like a, a genie, though. He's a he looks like a robot. He, he looks like a design from a later volume of Crossbone Gundam. Mm. He's very patchwork, very lopsided, and yeah, he just he has no inside voice. This dude's always screaming. Uh, and thankfully, for once, after this this robot thing comes out of the magic lamp, Polnareff doesn't just go like, "Oh, this is weird." He immediately goes, "Oh fuck, that's a stand," and goes to stab it. <laughs> Straight away, they're finally getting the instinct that anything even slightly weird is probably evil. <laughs> but uh, Cameo is able to deflect all of Silver Chariot's blows. For, you know, the fastest swordsman, he can't stab anybody. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I don't know what's up with that. But by being unable to do violence, Polnareff calms down. <laughs> Yeah, this is something we got to think about. So he begins just sort of entertaining the idea that he might have released a genie, not not for serious, but he just makes a wish as a way to shut up the alleged genie. (laughs) Yeah, if you can really uh, uh, do wishes, I don't believe you, but fine, prove it. I want a lot of money. Yeah. The way Cameo, like, grants wishes is to fucking scream at the top of his lungs, hail to you, which is supposed to mean (laughs) fortune be with you. Mm -hmm. And when he says it every time, like, big bubble letters that say hail to you, like, the number two, the letter U, just appear on screen. Mm -hmm. And he he explodes into a a cloud and, yeah, he he just disappears. Polnareff picks up this lamp, sweating, confused if that's a a real genie or an enemy stand. (laughs) Uh, and he just tosses the lamp to the side, just into the grass. But when he does that, he hears the sound of, like, coins raining down from the sky. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he, he goes and checks it out and finds, a, a like, a cask of buried treasure that has unburied itself in, like, a, I don't know, a storm or something. Yeah. And so uh, uh, jewels and goblets and all sorts of things are, are falling out but mostly heaps and heaps of gold coins he uh confirms that they are napoleonic <laughs> gold coins which is good because it means when he gets home he can just spend them he doesn't have to exchange them for anything yeah don't gotta do shit this money is french like me Ooh, even if it's french money i laugh at the idea of Polnareff being able to pick up something that old and identify it at all like beyond <laughs> just this looks like old money <laughs> he's dumb as hell 
like he's a little freaked out now. All this seems like super real, actual tre- like gold, golden treasure. Mm-hmm. And as he's confirming this, uh, Cameo appears on the top of a palm tree behind him. Cameo sounds like a cross between Optimus Primal and Santa Claus. <laughs> I was listening to the Japanese dub, so I didn't get to hear this. But now I'm going to have to go back to the English one. Cause... Yes, yes. Like the the name this voice is credited to mm-hmm. is somebody that I could not find anything on. So there is a chance that for whatever reason it is the guy that voiced Optimus Primal, oh, just man. working under a pseudonym, or it could be somebody who just sounds a lot like him. I honestly don't know. Mm. Or it could be this Sam guy that has done literally nothing else. Huh. I, I, I'll have to I'll have to check that out because the guy who voices Optimus Primal has like a like that voice is really distinctive to me. Yeah, yeah. But imagine him just being a big boisterous like Rankin Bass Santa Claus. <laughs> okay, I can I can hear that in my head already. <laughs> but but now that one wish has been granted, uh, Polnareff is one over. This might just be a real genie, and he's got two <laughs> other wishes to deal with. So he starts running through all of the different things that he might want to wish for from a genie. One of his first ideas is to become a highly successful manga artist with a theme park. Yes. More popular than Disney, he says. In English, they uh, uh, translate this to cartoonist. Uh, okay. Has Have we ever seen Polnareff drawing? No. When he makes this wish, or or when he hypothesizes this wish, I guess, to be more accurate, uh, the background turns into a bunch of, like, drawings of funny cats that are smoking in several different ways. (laughs) Yeah. Am I to believe that uh, Polnareff has been doodling these, like, on train rides and and all the non-action times? I hope so. He just wants Garfield, but more adult. This is a Garfield (laughs) that can smoke. That's just Heathcliff, though. mm, That is just Heathcliff. Wait, wasn't there a, oh, what was it called? Top Cat. No, I'm not thinking of Top Cat. There is like a, I think it was an actual French animation. It was like a movie from like the early, mid 80s or something that was. Felix the Cat? Not me. No, this wasn't like a. Fritz the, Fritz the Cat. Fritz the Cat? Maybe it's that. There's a lot of fucking cartoon cats. Is There's the a lot of cartoon cats. I think it might be Fritz. Was this one French? Yeah, it was the one where it's like they all the cats were in, in college and it was like super fucking adult oriented. It was just like the cats in college and they're fucking all the time. That is Fritz the Cat and it is American. That's, it's American? That's an early Bakshi, baby. Okay, I don't know why I thought that was French. But yeah, maybe Polnareff is doing Fritz the Cat. Who knows? As the pig becomes exhausted, a very stoned Fritz jumps out, grabs the pig's gun, and shoots the toilet, causing the water main to break and flooding everybody out of the apartment. The pigs chase Fritz down the street into a synagogue. Fritz manages to escape when the congregation gets up to celebrate the United States' decision to send more weapons into Israel. <laughs> what the fuck? This movie came out in 1972 and made $90 million. Whoa. Does it say the budget? I gotta know the budget for this movie. 700,000. This was a runaway success. Holy shit. Okay. <laughs> I did not think Fritz the Cat was that successful. The tagline on the poster is, we're not rated X for nothing, baby. Yeah. And it shows Fritz the Cat uh, shoving his paw down the front of a lady cat's shirt. Yep. I remember I remember that poster for some reason. Where the fuck? I'm trying to think, like, what opportunity did I ever even have to see part of that movie? And why did I even continue to watch it? Well, anyways, that's been in the back of my brain for years, just waiting for a reason to get brought up in a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, when Polnareff brings up, 
he wants to be a, a comic book or a, or a manga artist. He wants to build Polnareff land, which then appears mm-hmm. behind him and has a giant statue in the background of just Silver Chariot in the in the middle of the theme park. Yes, yeah. I, I also like that all of the lampposts are topped with uh, his broken heart earrings. Oh, yes, they are. Yeah. Do you think his desire to build a theme park is a subconscious memory of the Death 13 fight that just, like, mm. inceptioned something into him? He did seem to have a lot of fun, even with the dead dog being right next to him. So maybe, yeah. So, so yeah, there's also a great big castle in the back be- behind the Silver Chariot uh, statue, a Ferris wheel, naturally. None of these theme parks have, like, signature attractions. Yeah, it's just the usual ones that every, like, county fair has. Which is a shame. I want a Polnareff-themed dark ride with <laughs> scenes from Polnareff's life. <laughs> that, that would be a terrible ride, because it's just nonstop toilets. <laughs> it's just toilet after toilet. The pig is Actually, there. Actually, you know, Polnareff Land would have the cleanest and most plentiful restroom oh, facilities man. of any amusement park. Oh, yeah. They'd win that award every year. <laughs> so yeah, while Polnareff is, is bringing up that idea, it just like, you know, there's really like bombastic music playing behind him and stuff. And then it just hard cuts to Cameo, just utterly silent, no music behind him, just thinking that that's a really stupid idea, Polnareff. But now that he's got Polnareff talking about himself, his, his like uh, reservations have all completely fallen away. <laughs> yeah, he, he is... His mood has uh, gone up considerably, just bringing up all these stupid wishes he has. Uh, he he brings up, ooh, 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 I want a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And like right before he proposes that idea, he gets a really serious look on his face like, oh, there's really obvious, like more serious wishes I should be making here. I want a girlfriend! <laughs> <laughs> this is also a, basically a full production number. Like I would imagine uh, uh, he was just one step away from breaking out into song. Yeah. But he's got this weird like hand choreography yes that i don't know what he was getting at but (laughs) what but i do want to shout out the the, whoever wrote the dub script because they changed one of his lines into talking about a pinky swear to explain what the hell he's doing with his hands yeah that pinky swear is not in the the japanese version at all right right and i think that is very clever very good good. i like that so like polnareff has also this whole time been asking the cameo like oh can you do this or this and every time he's just like is that your wish to for me to answer that question Mm -hmm. it's a really boring wish (laughs) and so polnareff has to keep interrupting him like no 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 no, that's not my wish yeah he he freezes in place and suddenly realizes wait a minute i should just wish for my dead sister to come back to life and avdol too we're gonna make this robot do some lazarus shit let's go Mm -hmm. and uh it turns out that each resurrection counts as a separate wish. So that's wishes two and three right there. Yep. Hail to you, baby. Let's go. <laughs> the first wish he enacts upon is bringing Polnareff's sister back to life. Mm-hmm. Uh, by this time, the sun has completely set. It's just nighttime now. It's it's spooky time. It's very spooky. After each wish, Cameo just disappears and leaves Polnareff to, to discover what has changed. So Polnareff is left alone. And he wanders and he finds a person-shaped hole yes. in the ground and also footprints leading away from it. And he can tell that's a lady's footprint. Mm-hmm. And I believe Polnareff can tell a lady's footprint. They're attached to the legs, you see. Yeah, he dude's know, knows everything about the legs and uh, leg-adjacent areas, I guess. <laughs> 
he even knows things all the way up to the waist. Wow. He's that intellect. Damn. Can you truly know the legs if you don't know about their neighbors? <laughs> uh, I remember that Robert Frost poem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he is trying to follow these, these little footsteps in the ground, and he sees the figure of a lady off in the distance, because th- this is all taking place still in like the really tall, really tall grass. Very strange shaped leaves. Uh, uh, yeah. I don't know what kind of plant this is meant to be. I don't know. And there, there's like, if you go on the wiki for every uh, episode, they list like a short uh, statement about it that came from like a DVD release or something. Mm. Apparently the animators also had no idea what kind of plant this was supposed to be <laughs> and were very curious so that they could like look up a reference and how it's supposed to move and what it would look like from different angles. That's funny. Araki may have just Im- invented a plant and just left it to the animation staff to figure out the rest of it. Yeah. Oh, they're so weird. It almost, it's like if seaweed was got straightened out almost, like if it wasn't <laughs> wavy and it was just really long. Mm-hmm. It's weird. But yeah, off in the distance, Polnareff can see the, this figure of a lady who's like kind of weeping and... and <laughs> She says she like runs away from Polnareff because she says my body isn't done yet or complete yeah. yet. Yeah, <laughs> that's spooky. And right around now, Polnareff is wishing that French schools also made you read the monkey's paw in middle school. Mm-hmm. That could be very helpful information right now. Meanwhile, while while Polnareff is doing this stuff, the rest of the gang is out searching the beach and the the boat and all all these other places. Going like, where the fuck is Polnareff? God damn it, not again. And this is why I think the island can't be that small. Yeah, if you can lose him. Especially with how much both he and Cameo are shouting. Yeah. So yeah, Polnareff is trying to to chase this this woman who uh, is really fast. You can see her zigzag like Naruto running between th- through this, this grassy field, mm-hmm. uh, leaving like a trail behind her. She is about as fast as a hand squirrel. She's incredibly fast. <laughs> yeah, th- 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 very similar uh, serpentine pattern. Polnareff is continuing to chase her and saying, you know, please let me just see your face. I want to see you one more time. And this is where we get uh, a bunch of quick flashbacks in his head to mm-hmm. moments with his, his sister when she was really young and, and growing up. Is this the episode where we actually get to see her face? Because I think before you only saw her from the neck down in his other flashbacks. Yeah, yeah. I think this this is the first time we see uh, uh, Sherry's face. And we see several versions of it, like you said, uh, uh, through the ages in these flashbacks. And now as a resurrected young woman. Mm-hmm. Polnareff also comes across uh, parts of parrots. Yeah. The gore censorship is going to be in overdrive for the rest of this encounter. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, there's a lot of dismembered birds on the ground. And after Polnareff like, gets distracted by the dismembered parakeets, he looks over to where his, his sister is. And like the tops of all these grass blades just all get severed at once, just cut mm-hmm. by some force. And she's crying, and Polnareff is slowly, slowly approaching her. Like, the clouds part, the moon shines right on her, so he can finally get a, a clear look at her face, and she just looks like Sherry. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, she's been running away, not wanting to, to be seen, you know, a, a ashamed of whatever sort of monster she, she's become with wh- whatever my body hasn't fully formed yet means. That's a creepy idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, Polnareff's, you know, love and and dedication uh, uh, and big brotherly support just trying to, like, coax her into calming down and returning to him. Like, this is powerful and effective emotional horror. 
Mm-hmm. Also, she's a vampire. <laughs> yeah, she she's still facing away from him while he's talking to her. She's bringing up some like past life events, you know, saying she thinks that Polnareff hates her and all this stuff. And he's saying, you know, no matter what happens or what you do, I always love you and all this stuff. And as he says that, she's like, okay, great. Turns around and we get to see her other eye that we haven't seen yet, which is just like a big red orb with a weird fleshy mass grown out of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's all fucked up looking there. And then she tears a chunk out of his shoulder with her teeth. God. And then she just, like, puts all of her her fingers together and just, like, fucking stabs him in the side of the neck with her hand. Mm -hmm. Like, he gets fucked up really quick. There's a lot of blood shooting out of Polnareff. She she is both more of and less of a vampire than Jojo vampires. Yeah. Like, her, her look and her going for the neck with the mouth... Much more traditional vampire, but she's just like a man-eating beast creature. She's not actually draining him. <laughs> yeah. You know, Polnareff is just falling to the ground, shocked. He's already losing a shit ton of blood, but he does try to get Silver Cherry to swing, take a few swings at his sister, misses, of course. But mm-hmm. she just, just leaps back into the grass. She's just like cutting the grass apart just with her hand swipes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's just like on all fours, just zipping around the grass. You can, can't really tell entirely where she is. You're just seeing grass rustle. And she just keeps leaping out from different directions and just taking bites out of him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this is where Cam- Cameo reappears and is just like, uh, and Polnareff's just like screaming and Cameo's just like, what, you got a problem? I gave you your wish. <laughs> This is what you wanted, right? Uh, so he reintroduces himself. Uh, his true name is Judgment, the Stand. He's mm-hmm. not actually named Cameo. Why did he say that? Because he's a liar. Yeah. Uh, according to the JoJo Wiki, the Cameo is actually the name of the Stand user. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, a uh, traditional card art for the Judgment card shows angels trumpeting and raising the dead from their graves. Mm-hmm. While Araki's uh, Judgment Tarot card shows angels trumpeting from the heavens, but also a couple of guys playing crosses like electric guitars. <laughs> I love this card so much. <laughs> yeah, there, there's there's two other guys on the on the card. The one playing the air guitar, his shirt says Lucky on it, and mm-hmm. the other guy playing the the crucifix guitar is facing away from the viewer, and he's got like booty shorts that say land on it. So that's another lucky land mm-hmm. appearance on these cards. And also, like pretty far in the background, there's some guy playing the drums. Uh, so the the judgment tarot card stands for judgment, uh, rebirth, inner calling, absolution, karma, causality, second chances. This is a really strong fit, not only for mm-hmm. playing genie, but also one specifically uh, uh, used to resurrect people with its wishes this there you go thumbs up you did it yeah but Polnareff is just really wants to like unmake his wishes just like turn it off turn it off mm-hmm. uh, judgment explains that uh anything that somebody wishes to have created he can't unmake it it's just here now mm-hmm. it's, it's here to stay you you manifested your will now you got to deal with it Yep, and he just declares that, like, hey, I've won this battle, by the way, about that other wish you made. And and Polnareff just gets real freaked out, and that is the that is the end of part one. Uh, also, we keep, we keep getting some flashes to this zombie sister, and yes. she is eating something un- <laughs> that we are not allowed to see. 
<laughs> yeah. These sensor shadows are incredible. Like, you know, there there is an element of, you know, what what you don't see is scarier that sometimes happens. Yeah, yeah. But yes, our, our uh, cliffhanger ending is Polnareff considering the the idea of vampiric resurrected Avdol. And that brings <laughs> yeah. us into Judgment Part 2, Episode 22, mm-hmm. which begins with Cameo gloating, quote, I'm sure it's quite the traumatic experience being eaten alive by your own sister. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, probably. Yeah. I'm an only child, so I wouldn't know, but probably. Mm-hmm. So cameo, you know, right where we left off, it also bring up the, the idea of the, the vampiric Avdol, and he just says, "Hail to you!" Disappears. Everything just goes still for a second, few seconds before Polnareff looks over to his side, and there's Avdol, mm-hmm. also with a spooky, messed up eye that, for some reason, this one is getting censored. Not his sister's weird vampire, gross eye. Or nudity. We haven't mentioned it, but she is oh, like yeah. totally in her birthday suit, while Avdol is not. <laughs> he's in his he's in his normal ass outfit mm-hmm. i demand nude avdol <laughs> just some consistency yeah so yeah the, this zombified revived avdol is here runs at polnareff swipes him with, with one of his hands and sends him flying as mm-hmm. and, and as he does this avdol looks at his hand and two of his fingers just fall off yes <laughs> he, he's attacked Polnareff so ferociously, he, he's hurting himself. Mm-hmm. And th- this is what I'm thinking, that this is the first stand fight we've had in quite some time, I think, where stands are present and seem like they'd be useful. Yeah. Judgment was shown to be good at fighting, but he could be fought, you know, mm-hmm. in a way that like the sun couldn't or, or Death 13 couldn't. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. Polnareff just starts getting real fucked up because he's getting tag teamed by both his sister and Avdol just like leaping onto him and just taking huge bites out of his both of his shoulders. Yeah, just huge meaty chunks that I presume are dangling from their mouths as they leap away. (laughs) These hard shadows make the action a little hard to follow. Yeah. Uh, But I'm pretty sure Zombie Advil is glad he still has his middle finger uh, uh, because he's also (laughs) taunting Polnareff, his shameful cowardice and, and pride that, that led to Avdol's death in the first place. Yeah, he's like lifting up his headgear a bit to reveal like, you know, he's still got the huge like gunshot wound, like the mm-hmm. hole just in the square in the middle of his forehead. Polnareff is just on the ground. He can't get back up. He tries to call out Silver Chariot, but Judgment just appears and just gets Silver Chariot in like a headlock. <laughs> just wrestles him so he can't attack at all and while while he's got silver chariot in this headlock both avdol and his sister sherry are just like going just chowing down on polnareff let's pretend all this blackout stuff is polnareff's vision because of all the blood loss let's let's make (laughs) this diegetic yeah yeah but just like last time polnareff calmly accepts death at avdol's hands he's like yeah you know what buddy i kind of deserve this yeah it's fine you want to set me on fire remember when you set me on fire that time yeah silver chariot just just disappears polnareff is getting too weak and he can't keep his stand out we see polnareff's hands just go limp and we hear his thoughts of just like you know okay i guess this is it for me seems weird that i can see two avdols though but yeah i guess this is what dying is like yeah, he because he's thinking about Avdol's death one more time. He's crying. His vision's getting blurry. But yeah, he is seeing two Avdols. <laughs> and one Avdol comes up behind the other one and just like grabs him and gets him in a headlock. And Avdol's just like, what? 
But guess what? That's really him. He summons Magician's Red. He's it's yeah. actual living Avdol, and he got much sassier in death. Oh man, yeah, Avdol. He has is... a signature taunt now. Yeah, Avdol's been workshopping a lot of shit since we we last saw saw him. He's got like some Sonic the Hedgehog attitude. Yes, yes. He puts up like the one finger and he goes like tis tis tis, like waves it and oh man. It really feels like Avdol's just been this is why he was gone. So he could just work <laughs> on a cool little little signature taunt here. Mr. Joestar th- thought I should work on my presentation before we face Dio. <laughs> Avdol's just back, baby. He's here. Oh, it's been so so long since I last saw Avdol. I think his character design has updated just a tiny bit mm-hmm. since last time we saw him. It's more like his his hair and his his coat and stuff are all the same. But I swear to God that like his pants are different now. He looks more <laughs> like a Mega Man down there. <laughs> uh, I I don't I don't know maybe, uh, but. <laughs> But he he reveals that he was severely injured but not killed. The the angles were just so that the the emperor's bullet fired by whole horse bruised his skull but did not penetrate. Uh, uh, He has a very nasty scar beneath his headband where uh, this false this false wish created Avdol has a a clear bullet hole. It looks pretty bad. Put that headband down there. There there you go. It's, it's, it's really rough. And I am going to revoke Kakuin's medical license. <laughs> he's only a high schooler. He's still got, he's got stuff to learn. Yeah, if you actually go back to the episode where Avdol gets shot and it looks like he has died, if you look at, I remember correctly, if you look at the blood where he gets shot, it's actually streaked in the same direction his scar is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, to show that the bullet just grazed him real hard and didn't actually go clean through his head. <laughs> so now Avdol is back and in perfectly fine condition, unlike Polnareff, and he summons <laughs> Magician's Red to kick Judgment in the face. <laughs> yeah. And I never noticed his little elf shoes before. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to notice because a lot of the time Magician's Red is only materialized from the waist up. Mm-hmm. You don't get to see his legs a whole lot. And he does a lot of kicking. He's a firefighting type, it turns out. Oh, yeah. You think Magician's Red is the the inspiration for Blaziken? Mm, I could see it. Yeah, right. There's a decent amount of video game characters and other other like anime and stuff that have characters inspired by JoJo characters, so I could totally see it. There's got to be at least one Pokemon out there that someone designed because like they like the thing from JoJo. There's too many of them at this point. Mm-hmm. Now, now that Avdol is back, it is a, a punch party, and he is so confident that he is going to demand his own four wishes. <laughs> yeah. They should have had him around to haggle for kebabs. They would have got those at a much better price. Yeah. During this fight, like, Avdol has already destroyed, like, the other Avdol. Mm-hmm. Like, when he first appeared, Avdol just, like, grabbed the, the evil one by the wrist and just, like, crushed his hand into dust. Yes. Which is pretty cool. It turns out these copies are made of dirt. Like, mm-hmm. the, the reason there was a hole in the ground is because that Sherry was that ground until, like, ten minutes ago. Yeah. During this fight, Sherry gets attacked as well, and most of her body is just shattered. She is basically mm-hmm. just a torso and a head and, like, one arm at this point. Assembly required department store mannequin, yes. <laughs> yeah. And she lands near Polnareff, and he's he's getting really, you know, emotional because for a second, the, this fake Sherry is, is again talking to him just as if she's 
his mm-hmm. actual sister. Mm-hmm. And it's sad, but Polnareff just says to her, Sherry died. He gets up holding, you know, what's left of this this fake Sherry and stabs her clean through with Silver Chariot. And it's not like Silver Chariot's to the side. It's just Silver Chariot's arm has materialized where Polnareff's arm is as if it's just an extension of him. Yes, yes. So it's it's it looks a lot more like Polnareff is finishing the this himself. As he does that, you know, she just dissolves into into nothing. Goodbye, Sherry. It's the best part of the whole story, honestly. The, the, yeah. The, the Sherry stuff in general and the, this goodbye scene where Polnareff, like, he, he's had his vengeance, but now he has his closure. He finally, mm-hmm. like, accepts that nothing is bringing his sister back and, and he can uh, place those memories in the past and move on. It's like, oh, my boy, he's he's all grown up now. Yeah, it's really good. Like, I know that uh, JoJo is mostly... is known for and remembered for the really fucking crazy things that happen in the stand fights and stuff but every once in a while jojo does some really good character shit too mm-hmm, like with Polnareff mm-hmm. here it's good uh so so now that the vampires are gone and i guess the gold isn't attacking them uh, <laughs> it's just sort of sitting in the ground somewhere uh it, it is time to turn our attention to the the enemy stand itself judgment and this is basically a return to a good old-fashioned i can punch harder than you can uh, uh take it sort of fight yeah uh magician's red keeps kicking uh i <laughs> Uh, judgment and with everyone uh avdol gets one of his wishes like to to hear you cry out in pain or scream in regret and there's a there's a third one that i forget that follows the same uh (laughs) yeah format but (laughs) those are his wishes and so this enemy stand is just trounced through physical power. And like, I understand that that's not what this show is about generally. But if you get to have one, it's in this like triumphant, cathartic moment. This is like I was mentioning a while ago when, when Vel was on the show. This is the first time that Avdol has gotten to take apart an evil guy. Yeah. Yep. And for that to be his introduction, like, guess what? I'm fucking badass and I'm back. That yeah. works, yeah. The way he's doing it is cool, too, because it's not just like, ah, I'm getting kicked kicked around or something. Like, every kick he's doing is like an explosive fire kick, and because mm-hmm. this guy's a robot, like, random chunks of him are exploding and revealing, like, the, the freight, his robot frame underneath the armor, <laughs> which is cool. But yeah, Polnareff is explaining, because uh, Judgment thought these kicks that were coming were going to be really weak, like the, the previous kicks, you know, and they weren't. They were fucking explosive kicks. And Abdul is explaining that, like, hey, I wasn't kicking you at full strength earlier, because, like, I'm still in a lot of pain from, like, my stab wound in my back from the hanged man and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But now that he knows there's uh, uh, no angry vampire is going to sneak up on him, he can really let loose and doesn't have to worry about watching his back. So Polnareff only, like, started getting healed up just a few days ago in the show. He explains that he was only able to start walking three days previously. Uh, previously mm-hmm. and so he just took a plane from india to this island to get here <laughs> super fast <laughs> and uh d- did some errands on the way which we'll talk about later <laughs> oh yep 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 avdol says here's another wish which is to hear judgment scream in fear and magician's red just materializes behind judgment and just makes like almost like a, a fire-based fiber wire and just wraps it around judgment's throat just starts like garroting him with it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he just like kicks him into outer space <laughs> 
like Team Rocket blasting off again style. He just kicks him into the fucking stratosphere. But our two experienced warriors know that just because you've defeated a stand uh, and, and sent it away doesn't mean the danger is over. They have to find the stand user. Mm-hmm. So so they begin searching around. Uh, Polnareff asks a question that Avdol answers without moving his lips. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's developed new abilities. Uh. There's a lot of training in the in the time he's been recovering. But they find this guy's dirt snorkel. There, there is a, a yes. bamboo tube coming up from the ground, and they figure, ah, ah, this is where he's hiding. They, they test this out by, like, dropping a leaf on top of it to see if there's suction pulling, <laughs> pulling the leaf in. They put their finger in it to plug it up. Uh, they, they throw some dirt down there. And I think at that point, he knows you know where he is, right? Yeah, this is too many. <laughs> this is too many tests. They drop a spider down the pipe and ants. <laughs> just just stab down the pipe. Yeah. Before he can run away. Yeah, they drop a match down it after all the evil bugs. But yeah, Polnareff, th- this is personal. Like, th- this guy manipulated him and made him look a fool. Not only that, but but pulled on his, you know, deep family tragedy. Th- this, this dude needs incredibly violent schoolyard bullying. <laughs> <laughs> and so now that they, they know, like, super sure this is the guy, uh, Avdol brings up the idea of hey do you want to do some traditional male bonding and take a piss together and they both pee down the 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 air pipe i am shocked that avdol suggested this and as soon as i was done writing a note that like "Mm, avdol seems different he wouldn't have done this polnara says you're different you wouldn't have done this but back before you died that one time Yeah, I, I guess now that or Abdul has a second lease on life, he's just uh, going for it. He's sassy. <laughs> he he tisks tisks people while waving his finger, and mm. he will will pee down your breathing tube. <laughs> yeah, and eventually, like the cameo underground can't take it anymore, and he bursts out from the dirt, and you can see him gurgling a whole lot of piss in his mouth. I should think so. They peed so much it made a rainbow appear. Yeah, at night. <laughs> That's a lot. It's a lot of pee. <laughs> See, he busts up begging for life. They, they take him out, and then rim shot number three. It's just oh, a tradition yeah. now. It's so weird. It's only Stardust Crusaders that's got the weird rim shot gag. Three in a row. Three in a row. Yeah, they they don't kill Cameo. They just light him on fire real good, and then he's like a very like Looney Tune style thing. He's just like charred black and you know, yeah, hair sticking out many different directions. Yeah, he's ripped as hell though. Once his shirt burns oh, yeah. off, that dude is stacked. Yeah, and so Polnareff is walking around the island and finds the rest of the gang, uh, and they ask like, "Where the fuck have you been?" And two. Looks like you've been attacked because, you know, he's just fucking covered in blood head to toe. Yeah. And Polnareff doesn't even acknowledge that. He's just like, look who I found. And, you know, just reintroduces Avdol. No one is impressed. No one cares. Yeah. Everyone's just like, oh, hey. Hey there. This is bullshit. (laughs) Absolute, unmitigated. Fuck you. This sucks. Yeah. Yeah. The reason nobody cares about this is because they all knew Avdol was alive the whole time. The only one in the dark was Polnareff. And yeah. why 
why then did you pretend like he was his dad? Just to be mean? Just to play an awful trick on this friend that you care about so much? And, like, I can yeah. understand. I can understand Joseph and Jotaro uh, uh, keeping this as, as a secret from their enemies while uh, Avdol, you know, recuperates. I mm-hmm. do not believe for a second, for a motherfucking second, that Kakuin <laughs> would go in on this, especially because of how close he became to Polnareff on that very day. They like, yeah. fuck you. This sucks. I think less of all of you. Fuck you. Yeah, I don't like this bit. Like I like totally the bit of maybe keeping it a secret so that Abdul can recover and, you know, as we'll get to later, do a couple errands for the gang secretly. That totally works, especially mm-hmm. like that, that's a perfectly fine explanation for bringing a character back to life because you realize, wait a minute, I want to do more with this guy. I'm fairly sure in the manga, when Avdol dies, he was just supposed to be dead. Right, right. And they just brought this him back. This is later. definitely a, a, a retcon, for sure. But yeah. so much of the story of Stardust Crusader so far has been these five people becoming very close mm-hmm. and, and uh, uh, caring about one another and getting involved in one another's like lives and, and histories and their, their tragic traumas. And mm-hmm. to, to just, I thought you liked him by now. <laughs> Why are yeah. you like this to him? It feels like this part is written this way just because they wanted like a joke. You know, at the expense of, like, what they've been writing up for these characters so far mm-hmm. or something. It's a joke in the moment that is, like, long-term character assassination for, for these people. Yeah. Especially, especially Kakuin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, this is probably, out of everything that happens in Stardust Crusaders, I think this is the thing that bugs me the most. Mm-hmm. If, if there's anything I could change, it would be some of this stuff right here. Because, yeah, it, it just rubs me the wrong way, too. Yeah, as they're explaining all all these reasonings for, you know, why, you know, it seems like Avdol was dead, but he wasn't, all this. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they bring up that uh, Avdol was doing a little, some errands for, for the gang secretly. In disguise as a wealthy Arab gentleman. <laughs> yeah. And one must wonder exactly how wealthy this Arab gentleman disguise was. <laughs> yeah. Because what he bought was a gigantic futuristic submarine. Yeah, it is a massive... This is like the massive Mount Snakemore submarine from the end of Metal Gear Solid yes, 4. Yes, yes. It is, it is about the same size. Except that was clearly like a military design. This is some yes. like like sci-fi, weird, bubbly, one-off custom prototype thing. I yeah, don't even this, know. This thing is striped orange and yellow. It's got massive spotlights going in every direction, like on the outside of it for some reason. It is, this is a wacky ass submarine. This is honestly more submarine than these five guys need. Aren't you about as close to your destination as you can get by sea? Mm. Yeah, wait a minute. Let's need can I can we see the map again, show? I need to see the map. You're in the middle of the Red Sea. You're going to Egypt. Yeah. You can throw a rock at each. At this point, it just feels like they just wanted a submarine because that'd be cool. And they got the speed wagon money to spend. But yeah, w- with the reveal of this gigantic submarine, that is the the end of Judgment Part 2. Mm-hmm. I, I really like these two two episodes aside from that ass pull they do at the end. Let, let me read you the, the uh, manga slash anime differences lifts did mm. on, on the, the uh, wiki. Uh, for part one, the anime added several flashback scenes from Polnareff's past that were not present in the manga. Mm, right. For part two, 
A dialogue of the fake Avdol blaming Polnareff for what happened and showing the hole in his forehead made by Emperor's Bullet is added. Mm. A scene between the fake Sherry and Polnareff is added. Originally, Judgment throws her and Avdol incinerates the body with Magician's Red. Wow, damn. Everything that's great about this story is anime original. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's been so long since I read part three that I, I forgot about that those were anime original. The the differences are usually just like, you know, 30 seconds here and there to, to meet, you know, the, the time or mm. uh, uh, just streamlining something or, or adding a little extra clarity. But like the entire emotional through line and weight yeah. that makes this fight worth watching is anime original. Mm hmm. Damn. Yeah. If you're going to make those new additions to to enhance the, that stuff with Polnareff and stuff, why can't you change the ending a little bit, too? Mm-hmm. You could just, just tweak that shit a little bit, and it's better. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, the anime is so faithful for the most part, but sometimes I think it's a little bit to the detriment, because there are some things that could, just minor tweaks to certain story beats in, in like, every part of JoJo would make it so much better, including the ending to this two-parter. And the, the middle of this two-parter is proof of that. Yeah, yeah. Th- those are all great additions, man. I cannot imagine this being a, a, an encounter that I had much positive to say about if it weren't for a, a Sherry's torso in Polnareff's arms. Yeah, that part's really good. Or the the childhood flashback in in the the first part. Like that's it. That's what makes this. Mm-hmm. The the direction of those scenes are just so good, and I just mm-hmm. wish it extended. It would leak out a little bit more into the actual content from the manga as well. I'm reminded of something we didn't mention. New sassy Avdol turns around the enemy stand's catchphrase and shouts, Hell to you! Oh yeah, I forgot about the hell to you. <laughs> yeah, that's good. It's very good. Polnareff does the same uh, at the very end. They both get to say hell to you. It is nice, though, to get, you know... Avdol gets a second chance here, and he finally gets his cool episode where he just, like, dismantles a really evil guy. Yes. That's that's very satisfying. No, I'm very excited for, for more Avdol. Uh, and Avdol with, like, a new prominence, because, like, with this return, it seems like uh, Araki is much more excited to write him. It is dedicated to having more fun with him. I think... Yeah. Avdol died for a lot of reasons, one of which is that he seemed to be the least versatile member of the team uh, Mm -hmm. in terms of the sorts of stories, the the sorts of things you can do with him. I'm hoping that his return means an attempt to fix that problem rather than to just excise the problem and and cause drama for everybody else, which was the first solution back in the the Emperor fight. Yeah, it's... uh, I remember there being a couple other good, like, Avdol things after this point but my my memory of the second half of stars crusaders is a little funny fuzzy at this point mm-hmm. but yeah that that's that is what the the thumbnail of the the next episode is on crunchyroll it's just front and center avdol just being there with his buds <laughs> <laughs> pick any other thumbnail please but yeah it's i was really curious what you would you would think of of the these two parts because it's you know, when we got to the part where Abdul dies and, you know, he re- you received that, that death pretty well. And it's just like, hmm, I wonder how he's going to mm-hmm. feel when Abdul's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> Optimistic, hopeful. I'm... Yeah, Abdul is cool. I liked Abdul. I thought his death was well handled, but now I'm optimistic for Abdul getting to do things and 
live up to, to some potential that was stolen from him by a, a premature death. A premature, if dramatically well-executed death. Yeah. I'm going to have to check the, the anime differences to see if there's anything different regarding the episode where he dies. In the anime, Polnareff's tears fall on the ground, whereas in the manga, they fall on his shoes. <laughs> Whole horses talk about how the gun is better than the sword was shortened in the anime. That was shorter? Jesus. Wow. Yeah, nothing about like the the way the bullet strike was depicted. Okay. I've got the hardcover somewhere right now. I'll have to dig this out and, and go through that later just to see. Yeah, I think that's about it I got for, for these for for this two parter. Yeah, yeah. Uh very excited to see to to rewatch the submarine episode. <laughs> yes. Is there gonna be a stand that's just a submarine? Who knows? Thank you all for, for joining us. Th- this is one that had I would rate this, like, if you were on a multi-axis chart, like, Mm -hmm. below average action, but some of the best, but conversely, some of the worst, like, (laughs) drama and character stuff in all of Stardust Crusaders. Just hard whiplash. Yeah. (laughs) Just the fight, this is some of the best. Uh, yep. the, the the button on the end that sets up the the next uh, uh, pair of episodes. Oh boy! Oh, that does not sit well with me. <laughs> yeah, uh, I should mention that like this two parter, this next two parter also has a couple new like kind of lengthy anime original scenes. Mm-hmm. I think they those ones were far more made so that the next fight could become two episodes long mm-hmm. rather than just one because that the. the the next two-parter is the end of the first season of Stardust Crusaders. Yes, yes, that is right. They got This is where it just ends up just with the length of the adaptation. So they had to make it go out on kind of more of a bang than if it were a normal fight. So. <laughs> well, that that is exciting. That's right. Like uh, We're building up to a big finale, although I'm guessing that in publishing, in, in Araki's work back in the... the early 90s it wasn't thought of as a conclusion it's just sort of the the fact of adaptation and how things work on different timelines so it'll be interesting to see how they Mm -hmm. make a conclusion out of something that was originally just more middle that that is a a tough nut to crack and i'm looking forward to see how how they approached it yeah it it worked for uh the first two lord of the rings movies i mean it's possible (laughs) yeah it's totally doable see how (laughs) final fantasy 7 remake does that it's just tough. <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess that's the end. Uh, I do have some stuff I want to plug. I've been guesting on things, and I know because of how our how this show's production goes, like by the time I mention things, they tend to be out of date. So I haven't yeah. mentioned things that I've guested on, but I thought that's not fair to them. I'm going to just throw out that this disclaimer that these two things I'm going to mention are kind of old now, but they're still good. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, first, somewhat recently, uh, I was a guest on a show called Shonen Flop, where uh, the two hosts fortnightly read a, a manga series that ran for a short period of time in a weekly Shonen Jump. Uh, although they had me on for one of their format-breaking episodes where they recommend something that is still ongoing and uh, hopefully will for a while because I had a lot of fun talking about uh, a mm. high school family. It is a gag series about an entire nuclear family plus pet cat that enroll in the same high school together. It's funny, it's got a lot of heart, and the cat looks bizarre. (laughs) It's a really weird cat. Really weird cat. Uh, And that episode, if you're just scrolling in the backlog, went up on May 17th. Mm. 
Another one that is a bit older than that, I guessed it on a show that I really enjoy called Mechanista in G from the Scanline Media family of shows, mm. where every week they randomly roll from a table of uh, uh, different mobile suits from the, the Gundam meta franchise mm. and talk about it, its mechanical design, also any of its, its variants, or they, they never wind up talking about just one robot, dang it. And... <laughs> When when I went on, we rolled the uh, RX-75 gun tank and mm. instead talked about every single treaded weapon in the entire <laughs> Universal Century. Uh, the conversation got away from us for, for a while, but I had a great uh, uh, time with them. Uh, love to be back. And that episode went up on February 25th, 2021. Mm. It's, it's a good show. People should, people should check it out. Yeah. If you're listening to this, you probably watch our Let's Plays. I think by the time this episode is out, we'll probably be into the new DLC coming out. Yeah. Final Fantasy VII Remake Intermission, it's called. I thought it was called Intergrade. Intergrade is the whole, like, re-release, PS5 re-release. The DLC okay. is Intermission. Okay. Yeah. Where does the grade come from? Is it like a Tales game and, and you get, like, a secret... Like a, a bonus thing to, to spend on upgrades for New Game Plus? Oh, maybe? I don't know, man. I feel like they just throw darts at a board to name these things sometimes. <laughs> yeah, thanks for, for listening. Uh, I don't think we, we say this every episode, but if you can, you know, recommend this, this podcast to your friends or, or yeah. leave us a review on iTunes or, or wherever you're grabbing your podcast from, uh, that would be great because the number one reason I enjoy JoJo and why a lot of other people enjoy it, I think, is uh, vicariously living through other people's experiences of seeing it for the first time. <laughs> it's almost more fun than watching JoJo yourself, honestly. Yes, yes. So yeah, the more the more that can happen, the better. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, once again, thank you all for joining us. We will be back next week with the conclusion of Stardust Crusaders season one. Mm -hmm. uh, as as we uh, plumb the depths of I don't know the Suez Canal. Like, why do you need a submarine? <laughs> I I don't think they ever say it in the next in the two parter. But I just wish someone like Joseph would just say submarines are cool. <laughs> We're going to sneak up on Dio by going around the horn and coming. <laughs> yeah. So until then, to be continued. See you later, everybody. Bye.